0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open our Bibles together. This morning we turn to the Gospel according to John and to chapter 12. We begin our reading at verse 37. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Even after Jesus had done all of these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For this reason, they could not believe because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts. So they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Then follows our text in chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, no sooner do we people decide on a particular holiday, and we are usually in a hurry to get to our destination. What parent has not heard that plaintive cry from the back seat of their vehicle? Are we there yet? You see, as parents and children, we just want to get there. Never mind all the stuff in between. Where's the beach? Now, you know, in a way that's unfortunate. For whether we realize it or not, half the fun of any trip is simply in the joy of getting there. There's so much to see on the way, so many sights to enjoy and things to experience. And therefore it's a shame to stick your nose in a book or to take a long nap or to turn on your iPod and to be oblivious to everything around you until... You arrive at the holiday site. Yes, and you know, in some ways, the same thing can be said about John chapter 13. Often Bible readers here are in such a hurry to get to the main thing that they miss all of the nuggets in the opening verses. What kind of nuggets, what kind of insights? Well, the first has to do, you can say, if you look at our text of this morning, the first has to do with loving and living. This chapter opens and we are told the time. It's just before the Passover feast. In other words, it's just before the biggest celebration of the Jewish calendar. In some ways, Passover was like Christmas and New Year's all wrapped up into one. So it was celebration time. But you'll notice from our text, it's also for Jesus and his disciples' departure time. John writes, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. What do those words tell us? Well, obviously, they tell us, for one, that there is an other world out there besides this world. In other words, there is another reality. We often forget that. And we so easily get into the thinking that, that this is it. This world, this life, this existence here is everything. And there isn't any other. That's what so many people today believe. But that's not true. John reminds us for openers, there is another world. A world where the Father dwells. And at the same time, beloved, these words of verse 1 also remind us that the Lord Jesus is working according to a certain timetable, a certain plan, that he is not on some sort of haphazard mission. He is not into spontaneous redemptive work. He is not making decisions as he goes along. No, there is a time for him to come and there is a time for him to go. Our redemption is not a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants operation. Together, the Father and the Son have worked it out in detail. They have a plan. They have a timetable. Yes, and now the timetable says that it's just about time for Jesus to leave to say goodbye. And that can often be sad, intimidating, and unsettling, but not necessarily if you know where you're going. And certainly not if you know that where you are going, things are so much better. And that is the case for our Savior is not just going somewhere better, but he's going to someone infinitely better. He's going to the Father. He's going back to his Father and our Father. For him and now for all of his fellow believers, departure means going home. But nevertheless, before we can go, there is yet something to do. And it pertains to his disciples. And it has to do, John says, with love. And looking back, it's obvious that love has always been at the heart and center of his agenda. John writes, having loved his own who were in the world. Notice, this is written in the past tense. Having loved. You can say that already before he was born, Jesus loved his own. He loved all those whom the Father has given him, as you can read in John chapter 17. He loved them and ultimately he came to earth for them. And once on earth, he sought out his own. He called them, he embraced them, he ministered to them. And that's something that he's still doing today by means of his word and Holy Spirit. He is still the ingathering shepherd. He's still bringing his people together. But now if you go back to the text, at this point in his earthly ministry, Jesus has gathered together all who are his own at that time. And notice then especially the expression his own. That means those who are his, those who belong to him, who've been given to him, or you can call them his elect. All the chosen of that time have heard him, seen him, experienced him, believed in him, been loved by him, And therefore, the first phase of his mission is almost complete. Almost, I said, because there is only one thing that remains, and it is this, to show them, it says, the full extent of his love. What does that mean, and how will he do that? How will he accomplish that? How will he make that plain and obvious? Well, you might say to yourself, of course, he's going to do that by dying on the cross. That's the supreme illustration of his love. And that's true. But you know, there are other things that come first. And what comes first? What's the first thing here that indicates the depth of his love? You can say it's a meal. It's eating together with his disciples. That's something that we so easily overlook and bypass. After all, with us, eating is normal. Having someone over for supper or for a meal is kind of natural, almost automatic. But you need to understand... And in the time in which the Lord Jesus lives and works, eating and having a meal with someone is a much more meaningful affair. It's a deep expression of fellowship and a mutual obligation. And then, of course, keep also in mind that this is no ordinary meal that Jesus is eating with his disciples. It is actually the Passover meal. And if you ask what kind of meal is a Passover meal, well, it's a spiritual meal. It's a meal filled with signs and symbols pointing towards deliverance and freedom and redemption. And as well, it's a sacrificial meal. Perhaps they do not see it then. But later, as the disciples reflect on it, they will see it. They will see the real blood and the real bread and the real lamb. And it's not the stuff that they're going to be eating. It's Christ himself. And so, beloved, we can say that in and through this meal, we already see the love of Jesus Christ in action. He who is one with the Father, who is God, acts as the host and invites his followers to fellowship, to have communion with him. And of course, beloved, that's something that the Savior is still doing even today. How do you know that Jesus Christ loves you, cares for you? has your best interests at heart. Well, in part you can say every celebration of his supper is an expression of his love. Every time you eat this bread and drink this wine, you can say to yourself, See, he loves me still and i can even see it i can taste it i can smell it i can even eat eat this love and so the full extent of his love is present in this meal but you know if you look at our text you see it's also present in one more thing for as he eats this meal he realizes this is going to be the last time he will be eating in this world with his disciples For as he eats and when he looks up and sees Jesus Iscariot, he is reminded that this is the time. Verse 3 reads, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Very simply put, this means the time is up for him. The time is now. So what does he do? Does he, after this meal, leave them? Does he shake hands with all of them, give each of them a hug or a pat on the back and and then depart? No, beloved, notice. He stands up in the middle of the meal, takes off his outer clothes, wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and then proceeds to wash their feet. Now that surprises us. As readers of the gospel, we would not have expected this. But you need to realize that for those disciples who were seeing this for the first time, this was more than just surprising. This was shocking, stunning, scandalous... No teacher before had ever done this. No rabbi had ever stooped so low. For in their world, this was the exclusive work of slaves. When you entered someone's house and your feet were dirty because you'd been walking on the dusty roads, the slaves would be standing there with a basin of water and with towels ready to wipe and clean your feet. Washing, washing dirty, dusty feet is slave's work. But notice here, Jesus, the Son of God, is going to back to the Father. Jesus, our Savior, washes feet. He dares to do it and he does it intentionally. And why does he do it intentionally? What's the point? But he wants to show them, beloved, that love is is more than talk. Actually, he wants to demonstrate its real nature and its full extent. For the love that Jesus Christ is speaking about is more than anything else, characterized by service. Even by demeaning, humbling, lowly, humiliating service. It goes to extremes when it comes to meeting and addressing the needs of others. You see, quite simply, being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ is not about being on the receiving end. It's not about being put on a pedestal. It's not a certificate of superiority of one kind or another. It's not about being the center of attention. It's not about being stroked and catered to. It's not about receiving. It's about giving, sacrificing, serving. And let's remember that as we partake of the Lord's Supper together this morning. The Christ who invites you and I to this supper is the Christ who came to serve and who calls on all of us as his people to be his servants as well. You know, we've entered into a new year. And then the question is often, how are we going to live in this new year? Is there anything special we should aim for? What's going to be our theme song? Well, how about service? How about serving in the footsteps of the greatest servant of all? Serving one another in the church. Serving in the local community. And serving in the world at large. Beloved, you are invited to partake of a meal a service. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.